Through the storm, he is Lord of all. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this day giving you heartfelt thanks that you have redeemed us, that you have saved us, that you have rescued us, even from the storms of life. We ask you to bless our hearing of your word this day. Amen. You may be seated. We're talking about storms. This is the second storm we've come to in our series of Jesus by the Sea. The first was in chapter 8 of Matthew when Jesus was asleep in the boat and the disciples woke him up crying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The first storm, Jesus got into the boat and the disciples followed. But in this storm, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus makes the disciples get into the boat without him and then he follows. At least Jesus was present in the boat during the first storm, right? And we could sing, with Jesus in my boat, I can smile at the storm. But what about when Jesus isn't in the boat? Where is he? Well, this is a great story for all of us who sometimes wonder where God is in the midst of the storms in our lives. And where is Jesus during this storm? He's praying. He's on a mountain getting away from the crowds so he could pray to his heavenly Father. He wanted to spend some time, quiet time, in prayer after he heard that his cousin John the Baptist had been killed. But the crowds came with all their sick, and he had compassion on them. And then he fed them, and he sent them away, including the disciples, so that he could pray. There is a lesson in that for us. Jesus is busy healing the sick people, teaching about the kingdom of God, rescuing the disciples, or he's praying. So when we feel God is absent from our lives, when the storm clouds begin to gather, when our peace and our well-being, both mentally and physically, is being threatened, what do we do? The Bible teaches us truths that we must never forget as we follow Jesus. And the first one is, Jesus allows storms to be. He knows everything. He is God. He's created everything. He knows what is to come. He sees all and he knows all. He knows the storm is coming and yet, he tells his disciples to get in the boat without him. 
He made them get in the boat. He constrained them. It's a strong word, compel. And mean the disciples probably wanted to stay where they were after the great miracles of the loaves and the fishes. But Jesus constrained them to go knowing that their trip in the boat would intersect with another great storm that would test their faith. We know now that if they had stayed, they would have been tempted to ride his coattails and never leave his side. I mean, free lunch every day, who knows? Something that Jesus had to prepare them for was that one day he was going to leave them physically. It would be pretty comfortable life if you never had to work for a meal again. We are all attracted to power, but Jesus wanted the disciples to be able to stand on their own, so to speak, even without his physical presence, but of course never, as we'll see, without his promise or his power. He proved that he could do the impossible. He proved he could walk on water and he wanted to show them that they could do the same through faith in him. And one day, those same disciples would do the impossible in his name. Yeah, read about it in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, where it is recorded that thousands came to believe in Jesus because of their work and their witness. And the point is that sometimes God will send us into a storm of testing, and at the same time, he's delivering us from a storm of temptation. He may be sparing you from something worse you could not foresee. It is possible. You see, God is more concerned with your spiritual growth than your personal comfort. He loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He sees down the road, and he is molding us into the image of his son step by step. In the first storm, he was present. In the second storm, he proved to be there but they couldn't see him at first. Peter learned to look for Jesus and to Jesus, even when he couldn't see him. Jesus knew that down the road, Peter would one day be crucified upside down, and John would be boiled in a cauldron of oil, and James would be beheaded in Jerusalem, and Luke would be hung in the olive tree in Greece, Mark would be dragged to death in the streets of Alexandria, and so on and so forth. So Jesus takes his followers through a gradual process of bigger and bigger storms along their journey of becoming fishers of men. The disciples may have been scared to death, 
But in the end, they realized they went through this storm not because they were out of God's will, but because they were in his will, in his sight, in his mind, and in his prayers. There's a lesson in that for us. We also learn from Scripture that some storms are for correction, as is the case of Jonah. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah went the other way. Jonah needed an attitude adjustment or a course correction as he was running away from his responsibilities. Isn't it a good thing that God wants better for us? The first assurance we have in the storms in our life is that Jesus has allowed this storm to be, and he's in control. The second assurance, Jesus is praying for me. When I am in the place of peril, Jesus is in the place of prayer. What a contrast between their two locations. The Gospel of Mark says that Jesus could see them struggling as they were rowing against the wind and the waves. He's on this mountainside overlooking the Sea of Galilee and he can see the storm and the disciples in it. But they can't see Jesus, but he can see them. Oh, how comforting to know that when I can't see my Savior, he can see me. And he knows my needs and he well provides. And the Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. He isn't surprised by what comes upon us. He's there watching and praying for us. A little boy got in trouble and his mother disciplined him. He was mad at his mom for this. At bedtime, they knelt together, he and his mom, and, asked, and the boy asked God to bless his daddy and his sissy and his bubby, his dog, his cat, his fish, his friends, but not his mom. At the end of the prayer, he smirked at his mom and said, I guess you noticed you weren't in my prayers. The good news for us is that no matter what we've done against the God of our salvation, against the one who's created us, Jesus is praying and we're always in his prayer. So Jesus allows these storms to be and the second assurance is that Jesus is praying for me. And the third, Jesus will come to me in his own time. It's the fourth watch of the night between 3 a.m. and dawn. It's the darkest part of the night. Liberal theologians say the disciples actually saw Jesus walking on the shore, and like a mirage, they imagined he was walking on the water. But the Bible says that they were in the middle of the lake, which would have been miles from the shore in the darkest part of the night. Jesus was walking 
on the water. Who are we to tell God what he can and cannot do? Remember the reading from Job. In the Gospel of Mark, it says that he was about to pass them by. That's weird, but not really. Because God wants us to cry out to him in the midst of the storm. God wants us to look for him when the circumstances seem overwhelming. Why did Jesus come to them in this manner? walking on the water for them to see. Well, in part, it was to show them what they feared the most. What they feared the most was under his control. There's a lesson in that for us. The waves that were over their heads were under his feet. And I don't care what storms you are going through now in your life. They might be financial storms, and you're worried. Are you going to make ends meet? Are you going to get another job? They might be relational, where maybe your marriage is struggling, or a relationship with a family member or a friend is soured. Maybe they're emotional. Or maybe they're physical. The truth is, God is on top of it. He is ultimately in control of what you fear the most. This is what God's word is teaching us. And what you fear the most may actually bring you closer to Jesus. That raging sea was nothing but a sidewalk that brought Jesus closer to them and could bring them closer to Jesus as it did in the case of Peter. But they had to get out of the boat in faith. They thought they saw a ghost at first. It looked like things couldn't get worse in the storm, and now here comes a ghost. Now, why would they think it is a ghost? It's interesting. Well, because they were living in fear instead of living by faith. Since they couldn't see him, they didn't believe. They needed to learn that faith is believing in something you can't see. Right? Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We look at our life in desperation and fear. We say, I don't see how God is in this. Exactly. What a great opportunity to exercise, not sight, but faith. This was probably one of the hardest lessons the disciples would have to learn. And it took them many a try that just because Jesus wasn't present with them physically, it didn't mean he wasn't with them and watching over them. Oh, what a lesson we learned. It takes a lifetime. 
Had they not already seen Jesus calm a storm before? Did not the waves lie down peacefully then? Yes, but Jesus was with us so he could calm the storm for us. Oh, ye of little faith, little faith. Don't let your imaginations run wild with paranoia. The devil works in the realm of the mind. Don't live in fear, live by faith. God is with us, Emmanuel, even when we can't see him. We can be assured that Jesus allows storms to be for a reason. We may not always know what that reason is, but we know he is praying for us, and we know he will come to us in his own time. And we know the storms of life can help us grow in faith and trust in Jesus. I, we got to watch a little bit of a video just a little one, because this is a good storm video, okay? So I can read about it, but, you know, Hollywood's attempt to, to depict this Bible story, we'll watch it. There's a few things not quite right with it. That's okay. But I want you to picture the storm.
Nothing like a good soundtrack. <laughs> On that boat that night was Simon Peter. What must the others have thought of him as he began to step out? What are you doing, Peter? The waves are going to sweep over you. But as he climbs out of the boat in the middle of the lake, his feet land on what that feels like solid ground. Can you imagine how cool that would have been? It's easy to criticize him for taking his eyes off the Lord and sinking, but at least he got out of the boat. And there's a huge lesson for us. Faith takes action. Yes, faith hears the word of God and receives the promise of forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. The church today is filled with boat people and people on shore listening to Jesus teach, but there is a great need for water walkers. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, remember? It is good, Lord, to be here in the boat in the midst of the storm. God has also made us and saved us. And he sent his one and only son into this world to save us. And salvation is ours because Jesus is ours. God's gift to the world is his son. And God has saved us. But not just for ourselves, but for a mission. And that's why Jesus did not let Peter sink. He had plans for Peter. Who here believes that God has plans for them? Amen. Yes, he does. He has plans for you. He wants you to spend eternity with him in paradise. But that's not all. Whom God calls, he also sends. And this has been the rhythm of God's people since the beginning. We gather to worship the Lord and then go out into the world to scatter the fruit of that relationship. That's what it means to be on mission. God is not looking for perfection, just for someone to get out of the boat and trust him. God is not looking for perfection in sowing the seed of his word. Just sow it. Don't worry about where it lands. God is not looking for perfection in serving up the fruit of his spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you take a look at that list and ask yourself, that's exactly what our world needs right now. The fruit of the Spirit of God, alive and well in his children. So just serve it to people who are desperately in need of some good nourishment. What I love about this Bible story is the disciples are learning to follow Jesus, emphasizing learning. They don't learn at one moment. They don't learn all at the same time. With every step, with every adventure, they're learning to trust and follow Jesus. Every parable they hear, every miracle they witness, every experience is helping them grow and mature 
It is so obvious as we read Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. And God's doing the same for us. Jesus spoke, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Peter for sure heard his familiar voice and as a good sheep followed the master, the shepherd. And Jesus invited Peter out of the boat to come to him. It was a very courageous step. It was another step in the life of many following Jesus. Yes, Peter began to sink, but Jesus rescued him. There's a lesson in that for us. When Jesus calls you out of your comfort zone to do something you are not sure of, maybe even the impossible, be assured that he will not forsake you, but will rescue you and sustain you and use you to save others. It's exactly what he did with Peter. Your, stain may be, your storm may be for correction or for perfection, but Jesus allowed it to be. And while you are in the place of peril, Jesus is in the place of prayer. He may seem far away, but he'll come to you in his own time, and he'll use this storm to increase your faith because he loves you. Amen.